0: Welcome to the great detectives of old-time radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host Adam Graham bringing you tonight's episode. This episode, I gotta tell you, this is something I actually, I really have debated with myself um, which episode we're going to show you this week Um, because I tend to be this uh, a meticulous person in terms of, particularly when it comes to going through a series from start to finish. And uh, the fact is that uh, there are episodes, some episodes I've decided I won't end up showing. These are the Ben Morris episodes of Pat Novak for Hire. Um, uh, what actually happened on the show, and the, there's somewhat, chronology can get confused here, uh, there was actually... Uh, two separate stints were Pat Novak, where uh, Jack Webb played Pat Novak. Uh, in uh, uh, 1946, he started out on the show with Richard Breen, uh, the writer. Well, Breen got into some type of quarrel with the people at KFO uh, radio station there in San Francisco. Um, and so, Breen left, and then Jack Webb left. Now, Uh, they made an assumption at KFO in San Francisco uh, that they could go ahead and uh, that they could uh, just go replace Webb, replace Breen, and continue the series along its merry way. Um, And so they hired Ben Morris. And uh, there are four surviving episodes of the Ben Morris series. uh, series, uh, as Pat Novak for Hire. And I, I'm not a huge fan of them. Uh, but I debated with myself, should I go ahead and play it so that way I can say, I've played all the Pat Novaks. Um, or should I not play them because I, I just don't like them. Um, and so back and forth, back and forth. It wasn't until I, I actually was reading Michael Hayes' book that I went ahead and made the decision not to, because uh, what Haid recounts is that, uh, basically, uh, there were letters, and there were uh, demands, and there were calls from the public, bring Jack Webb back. Uh, and if you've listened to any of the Morse episodes, you'll understand why. Uh, there are two problems with the stories uh, with Morris. First of all, he doesn't quite have that right quality of voice that Jack Webb brought to the series. So... That's problem number one. Uh, problem number two is they didn't have Richard Breen writing. Um, and as much as, you know, some people, you know, you you take a look at the, the lines here, and some people say, hey, this is so over the top. But to do this with any degree of skill, you got to have something up there. Uh, that The writers that they had replacing Breen simply did not have. So it led to people getting kind of angry and ticked off and do I want to do that early in my show? No, no, no um, the great detector, so we're going to go ahead with the uh, with the actual uh, Jack Webb series uh from nineteen forty nine and you know i'll listen to feedback if people re- if there's a real strong demand for Ben Morris, then eh, we might reconsider um, playing those at some later date but this is the 1949 series where ABC actually went ahead, took control of this from KFO, and brought Jack Webb back. And this is actually the second episode where Webb is back. Uh, the first that we have uh, in existence. Uh, it is called uh, the Jack of Clubs. Uh, this episode is notable for a few reasons. Uh, first of all, it's notable for who joins the cast. Um, here before, in both the uh, original series and uh, in uh, and in the Ben Morris installments, we had what I'd like to call rent-a helmets—you know, just kind of mediocre actors playing through. Here we get Raymond Burr, Raymond Burr, who would uh, later uh, go into *Dragnet* uh, and and uh, would be the first boss of Joe Friday. Uh, and uh, his partner Ben Romero playing Ed Backstrand, the chief of detectives, and then he would also come back on TV, as, uh, Dragnet, and play um, and play uh, Thad Brown, chief of detectives. Uh, and then on television, he was famous for Perry Mason, but also for Ironside. Uh, so, so we, you see a great acting career uh, in its earliest stages here. As we get a, a look at. Uh, at uh, Raymond Burr as uh, Inspector Hillman. So, exciting episode ahead. I hope you like it, and I hope we made the the right decision. Uh, But without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into uh, tonight's episode, The Jack of Clubs.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the American Broadcasting Company brings to its entire network one of radio's most unusual programs. Pat Novak for higher mm.
2: sign out in front of my shop says Pat Novak for hire. Down here in the San Francisco waterfront it's got to be that way. you got to rob a few graves if you want cigarette money. You need lots of work and roomy sleeves if you're going to play a pat hand. Sometimes in a good week you can duck trouble three or four days in a row. And then it creeps up on you like an old charge account. Well, I should have known that when I went to the bank. I was up to my knees in mud and didn't even know it was rainy season. It was Tuesday. I went by the bank to drop a hundred bucks. It was about time, because they were beginning to play handball with my checks. Must have been about 11 o'clock when I got to the window.
3: Hello, Mr. Novak. Isn't it a grand morning?
2: If it's your choice, stay
3: with it. Ah, yes. Deposit a hundred bucks. Yes. Uh, Let me get your card. It's right here, I think. Uh, Yes. Here we are. All right. hundred
2: bucks. Give me a duplicate, will you? Certainly. My, this isn't as big as the last deposit. Look, Bloomer girl, just mark the slip, huh? Oh. I'm
3: sorry, Mr. Novak. I guess I'm not used to $1,000 deposits. Mm Mm-hmm. What thousand dollars? Your Friday deposit. I wasn't in here Friday. Oh, you must have been. The card says you put in a thousand dollars on Friday. Give me that card. Ah.
2: What did Santa look like?
3: What? Who put the dough in? What did the guy look like? Oh, didn't you? No.
2: Look, we'll double back and try to hang on this time, will you? I wasn't in here Friday. I don't know anything about an extra grand. Now, what did the guy look like?
3: I wasn't on duty Friday. Yeah. I'm not even sure about the fellow today. What fellow? There was a man in here to ask about the account.
2: Did this good fairy have a name?
3: No, just credentials. He was from the FBI. I see. Is there anything wrong, Mr. Novak? No,
2: don't mind that complexion. I forgot my foundation cream. Oh, I should have known right then. A mysterious grand tossed into the till... I didn't wake up to trouble. But I'm a smart boy who'd be the village idiot in a town the size of New York. Well, I left the bank and went up to my apartment. That thousand bucks was already drawing interest. When I came in, she was sitting on the couch drinking my whiskey. She could have all she wanted. A 1949 Panther model. Just the right amount of size 12 in a dress that looked like a well-tailored fig leaf. When she was through looking you over, you felt like the Sunday supplement.
3: Hello, Mr. Novak. I like your apartment.
2: That's good.
3: The view is wonderful.
2: So is yours. What's on your mind?
3: How about a drink?
2: All right. How poor you talk.
3: My name is Connie Riley. Make me one, too?
2: Sure. As you were saying.
3: My name is Connie Riley.
2: Yeah, well, I've memorized that much. Go on. Oh, here's your drink. Thanks. Let's sit down.
3: All right. Over next to me. I won't buy it.
2: That's too bad. Go on.
3: Well, here's to your new bank account, Patsy.
2: Look, sis, if you're here just for the field trials, all right. But if you got a bill of goods, trot it out.
3: I will. I want that card, too, Patsy. I want it ahead of Chris.
2: Catch up with another drink. In the meantime, you fill in and help me, will you?
3: Stop sitting on your hands, Angel. You didn't get that thousand bucks with the sweat of your brow. No, not yet. Somebody padded your account so you'd be a nice boy. I want you to be a nice boy for me.
2: At the same rates?
3: The Monterey Rose docks today. A passenger named Kirk Toomey is carrying a jack of clubs, and it means a lot to me.
2: Well, it doesn't mean a thing to me except the FBI is on my tail.
3: Mr. Novak, you're turning a momentary advantage into a crowbar.
2: You take your deal to some other broker.
3: You're in business whether you like it or not, Patsy. You're going to stub your toe either way, only... To me, it'll be more fun.
2: How about the FBI?
3: you are being frightened by a group of bureaucrats.
2: That's what Trotsky thought.
3: How much, Patsy? Hmm? How much for that card when you get it?
2: The price is a grand.
3: (laughs) You're an amusing guy, Patsy. Yeah, and a grand I can afford to be. You don't even know what the Jack of Clubs is all about. You never heard of Kirk Toomey till five minutes ago, but you take things in stride as if the whole world belonged to you. Yeah. You're like Adam when he first spotted the Garden of Eden. All
2: right, little Eve, it's a thousand bucks. Remember, you're sitting on my doorstep. Now either go on home or come in the house.
3: Good. I'll take the card. That's your price. Now I can relax.
2: Mm. I'll bet you can
3: For another drink, Patsy? Yeah, sure, in a minute. What comes next? Can I get three guesses?
2: you got time to take them.
3: I won't need them all.
2: It's up to you. Come here, Angel. You ever hear of the early bird?
3: Yeah. Do I make a nice worm?
2: You wriggle like one.
3: Aren't you raising the price a little, Mr. Novak?
2: Straight 18%, darling.
3: (laughs) That's too bad. I wasn't even going to scream.
2: The next place I live is going to be a cave. Just a minute, will you? Hello, Novak. Oh, Hellman.
4: Well, well. Am I interrupting anything? No,
2: we were just going over an old seed catalog. Miss Riley, this is Inspector Hellman, San Francisco Police.
3: Good morning, Inspector. Don't bother to arrest me now. I'm just leaving.
2: So soon?
3: My sentiments exactly, Inspector. Bye-bye, Patsy. You can get me at the Concord on push Street. See you around, Patsy. Sure.
0: Well,
4: you're slipping, Novak. Hmm? No rain check. All right, funny man. What's your problem? You! You ever see this guy before? Let me see.
2: He's an awful-looking thug. Yeah. Who is he, your father?
4: A guy by the name of Max Coleman. The FBI trailed him to your bank Friday. They think he gave you a thousand bucks. Yeah. Where'd you get the thousand bucks, Novak? What do you care,
2: Hellman? Maybe a relative, maybe a maiden aunt.
4: Nobody's related to you, Novak. You're in a jam lover, and I'm here to push your father in. Max Coleman buys his groceries with foreign dough. Well, what are you weeping about? Arrest the guy if you don't like him. There's government microfilm coming in on the Monterey Rose. That thousand bucks makes you a contact man
2: for Coleman. Well, send the FBI over then. Where do you fit in? Waiting for somebody to drop some loose change? You're my project, Novak.
4: When they asked us for help, I stuffed the ballot box to get you. Yeah. So relax. I'm going to spend the rest of the day here. You're not going to leave the living room.
2: If i got to spend the day with you, I'll take knockout drops.
4: Suit yourself.
2: Uh, What's this stuff? That's good scotch. You wouldn't know. The cheap liquor's out in the kitchen closet. That's for you.
4: All right. Over by the stove here?
2: That's right.
4: What do you keep in here, Novak? Mops and brooms. Where'd you buy this one?
2: What are you talking about?
4: Where'd you buy this one, smart man?
2: could tell right away it wasn't a mop. When Hellman pushed him out, he rolled out onto the linoleum. A dapper little guy, except for a piece of cord around his throat, tied in a funny knot. He was deader than a broken drum. Somebody pulled too hard on that piece of cord. The veins were standing out in his forehead, and his face looked like a road map lying there on the floor. He wasn't pretty. Hellman thought so, too.
4: Who is he, Novak? Your father? I've never seen him in my closet before.
2: Who is he, Novak? I don't know, Hellman. Finders, keepers. You roll him.
4: Give me a hand. There's nothing there. Where's his wallet?
2: you will get there by instinct.
4: Yeah, 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 here it is. His uh, name is Kirk Toomey. That helps. Who is he?
2: The guy on the Monterey Rose.
4: The one with the microfilm? I guess so. I thought you didn't know anything about it. How'd you know he came from the Monterey Road? My dream book, Hellman. What happens now? Nothing, except I'm on the case now, and you got trouble in a major key. You don't think I killed this guy? I don't know. Did you? You better hop out and tail
2: that girl. She was making herself at home when I got here. Yeah.
4: How do I know you're not in it together? You
2: don't, copper. Maybe she's Loeb and I'm Leopold. When you're through with her, you might hit the Monterey and start looking for a jack of clubs. Some more dream book, Novak? Everybody's looking for a jack of clubs, Hellman. It must be the end of the rainbow. That's where you're going to find that microfilm.
4: In the meantime, you stay handy, Novak. I want to split you with the FBI.
2: You don't think I'm going to take the rap for Junior here, do you?
4: It says that in my book. Just relax until I'm ready to pick you up. I only have to find a couple of things. Well, that'll be a long time, Hellman. You can't find your hip pocket with radar. Yeah. I'll be around soon, Novak. Don't bother to pack your bags. You'll be traveling light.
2: Well, when Hellman left, I knew I was a second division club. That phony plan in the bank, the tie-up with Max Coleman, and that stiff in the kitchen made me look real bad. I had to do something in a hurry because the way things stood, I had about as much chance as a lawn party in a monsoon. There were a lot of bases to tag, so I looked up Jocko Madigan. An ex doctor who invented the hangover. But a good guy. I finally found him over in North Beach at a little joint called Lupo's. He was eating pizza with one hand and strangling a bottle of wine with the other.
5: Hello, Patsy. Oh, Frank. Bottle of wine for Mr. Novak.
2: No, I'm short on time, Jocko.
5: That's where you're wrong, Patsy. People always say it, but it's a lie.
2: Will you calm down a minute?
5: You say you're short on time, but you have all the time there is. It's the one thing that keeps you from being a beggar. There are only 24 hours in a day, and that gives you as much time as Napoleon or Alexander had.
2: Will you shut up a minute and put on that wine?
5: I'm celebrating, Patsy. I'm celebrating Mission Day.
2: Mission Day's over.
5: I'm a native son, we celebrate longer.
2: Now, look, I'm behind the eight ball again.
5: Uh, isn't it getting kind of crowded back there?
2: What's the matter? Somebody strangled a guy and put him in my broom closet. When did you find him? I didn't. Hellman did. There's a girl named Connie Riley looks good for the job.
5: Why doesn't Hellman book her, then?
2: He's still picking up the pieces. The dead guy is Kirk Toomey. He was set to smuggle in some microfilm. It says here I'm contact. you got to help me, Jocko.
5: You've got me confused with the travel agency.
2: I want you to hop down to headquarters. Get all the dope you can on this guy to me. I'm going to look up Connie Riley. How did she get in the picture? What difference does it make? She's a wrestler I met this morning. Now, get down to headquarters, will you?
5: That's why I like you, Patsy. You're you're like a piece of blank verse. A bad
2: piece of blank verse. All right, Jocko. I'm going to make like a strip of bacon if I don't get going. Now, stay close to headquarters. If anything looks good, contact me at Connie Riley's here at this address.
1: All
5: right. How many times shall I not,
2: love it? left Jocko and dropped by the apartment. I was smart and full of courage, like a field mouse at bay. The police had already been there. There was fingerprint powder all over and The two bottles of whiskey were going. They'd moved Laughing Boy out of the kitchen, and so I sat on, trying to add things up. I had a short list of friends to see. Connie, Max Coleman, and whoever this guy Chris was. I had to show up with one of them or prove that Kurt Toomey hung himself in my closet. I was getting ready to borrow a piece of cord myself, when the phone rang. Yeah?
4: Hello, Novak. This
2: is Hellman. I'm thrilled. What's on your mind?
4: I just called on your girlfriend. What'd she say? Nothing. She wasn't there. Hasn't been there since 10 o'clock this morning.
2: Oh, that's funny.
4: Yeah. you know where
2: she is? How would I know?
4: I just thought she might be in your closet. I picked up Toomey's stuff on the Monterey Rose. Yeah? What'd you find? Well, the usual stuff clothes, some shaving equipment, razor blades, toothpaste, and a pack of playing cards. Pack of cards?
2: Well, you know where to go from there, Hellman.
4: I thought I did.
2: Grab that jack of clubs.
4: Will a ten of hearts do? Huh? That's right, Novak. A nice, fat deck but the jack of clubs is
2: missing. Oh, you're always too little, too late, Hellman. I
4: just thought I'd let you know, friend, in case you start a bridge game with 53 cards in the deck. Good night. Hey.
2: fast, like a street carnival in Death Valley. Well, one of two things happened. Somebody got on that boat and took the jacket clubs while Toomey was at my apartment. Or maybe he brought it with him. If he brought it with him, Connie was a possibility. Or somebody that got there ahead of Connie. Well, anyway, I I had to work fast now because whoever had that card wasn't going to put it on a Market Street float. About ten minutes later, I cut across Union Square and up Bush Street. When I got to Connie's apartment, it was about 10 o'clock. I got in the back door and started through. She wasn't there, so I went to work looking for that jacket clubs. It was real easy. I tried the desk and then her bureau drawer. You know, I'd like chiffons coming back in style because that's where I found the card. It looked nice nestling there. I put it in my pocket and that's as far as I got.
6: You run the lingerie counter here, Novak?
2: You sound like a guy named Chris.
6: If it makes you
2: feel better. Should we put on the light? No, no.
6: Let's don't put on the light. This gun might upset you. The police are looking for you, Chris. You need more than the dark. I understand they're looking for you, Novak. That Riley girl kinda put you on a spot. Tell you what I'll do, though. Yeah, you'll give me a thousand dollars for the jacket clubs. <laughs> I started to say five hundred. Around here that's a whisper. And even Grand, Mister. You're trying to collect too many places. Want the five hundred? No, I don't. All right. But I think you're a bum business man. <coughs> uh.
2: Jocko found me catnapping on Connie's bare rug. Must have been right after the sapping. When I woke up, Jocko was thumbing my head like a housewife with a bowl of margarine. I fell around and waited for him to put the floor in again. I reached in my pocket. The jacket Clubs was gone. Then I started to talk. Jocko, did you
5: expect someone better?
2: Help me up, will you?
5: Oh. I've helped you get up so much, I feel like one of the Wright brothers.
2: I just lost round three.
5: Yeah, I saw him getting into the car.
2: Did you get a number?
5: Like Hellman's got yours. Here it is.
2: Let me see. Yeah. Anything break down at homicide?
5: They got all the dope on to me. They had to piece it together. He had no fingerprint record, and they finally confirmed things with a set of false teeth. What does it prove? Nothing much, except you probably killed him. He was a foreign agent who picked up microfilm at Shanghai. Your uh, girlfriend is pretty. Did they find her? Yeah. Dead? No, Patsy, you've got to stop thinking of people as being dead all the time. It's demoralizing. What'd she say? She denied knowing anything about to
2: Jocko, I'm sure she killed that guy up in my apartment. I'd stake
5: my life on it. Expertly put, Patsy. I think Hellman believes her. After all, she's the only lead. What about Max Coleman, the guy that rigged my bank account? Are they letting him die on the vine? I was getting to that. Your friend Max Coleman has disappeared.
2: I thought he was being tailed.
5: Uh, the kite got away. Here, use my aspirin. <laughs>
2: Well, I took a boat out to the Monterey Rose, but that was a waste of time. Hellman had it covered like a tarpaulin. I still had the license number to Chris's car, but that didn't do any good. Even if I found him, all I could do was point my finger. There were still a lot of things that didn't fall into place. One of them was, how come that jacket clubs was so easy to find in Connie's apartment? She hadn't hit it very well. But... After all, maybe that was a habit with her. Things didn't look any better the next morning. I went into a restaurant next to the press club for some breakfast. The Chronicle was lying on the counter. We were in second place. Because it was a torso murder all over page one. That second cup of coffee saved me. Because right after that, I spotted it on one of the back pages. A picture and a small story about some unidentified guy who'd been killed over in Oakland. Couldn't match the picture too well with Hellman's snapshot of Max Coleman, but it looked like my best break so far. I got over to Oakland and I went straight to the morgue. The guy in the morgue was Chatty. Which fellow you want to see? The the unidentified guy. He must have come in last night. Sure. Down this way. Okay.
6: How do you like our morgue?
2: One of my favorites.
6: It's bigger than San Francisco.
2: Yeah, I figured that.
6: Sure. Most people don't know that, but it's true. Living in San Francisco. Here we are, right here. Help me slide it out. Sure. Roller bearings makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Here, let me get that sheet. All right. Well, well. Recognize
2: him? Yeah. What time did he die?
6: Coroner's report here on the tow tag, about 11 o'clock last night, two gunshots, thirty-eight caliber pistol. That's good. Don't look good to me.
2: Was he a friend of yours? Relative or something? Yeah, a relative. He's my maiden aunt. It was Max Coleman, all right, but that was only half the problem. I had some of the answers, but not enough. It's like trying to weave a rug with a spinning wheel and a bucket of sand. Well, anyway, I got to a payphone and I called Jocko. I told him to run down that license number, and then I headed back across the bridge. When I found Jocko, he said the car was registered in the name of Christopher Downs, who lived up on Taylor Street. And that was enough of a lead, so I telephoned Hellman. It took about a half a minute to draw a map.
4: Hello? Hellman talking?
2: This is Novak. You still got Connie Riley down there?
4: No. I saved matchboxes. Why? When did she leave? Last night, about 9.30.
2: Oh, that was smart, Hellman. Why? You better put a guard on her front door and get up to 720 Taylor Street, the apartment of Christopher Downs. Who's he? A late entry. Now climb out of that coma and get going. I'll meet you up there in ten minutes.
4: 720 Taylor Street? Yeah, it's up on the hill. That's good, Novak. I can roll you all the way down. Mm-hmm.
2: When Jocko and I got up to Downs' apartment, there was nobody home. I said a fast prayer for Connie, and I began going through Down's stuff for a 38 caliber revolver. Jocko was looking too. Over in the liquor cabinet. That's as far as we got.
6: Scavenger hunt, Mr. Novak?
2: Hello, Chris. You haven't seen a 38 around? Just one that's in my pocket. The same one that killed Max Coleman? You're gonna run out of breath, Novak. Slow down. I'm in second already, mister. I can't stop.
6: Then you won't mind a short ride out the door and down the back stairs.
2: Should we bring a lap robe?
6: There's nothing to worry about. It's a short trip. You won't even have to wire the folks.
2: We went down the back way and into the garage next door. We started for a big car in the corner. All right. Get in.
6: Out the airport road, Joe. Sure. Now, relax, Novak. From here, you look like a duck in the pond. All right, Joe. Watch out, Joe. Joe, watch out. There's another car coming
2: in. You're right, Chris. It was a short ride. You all right, Novak? Stop acting like the mother hen, Helm, and take this guy's gun.
4: All right, mister.
6: Get out. Who is he?
2: Christopher Downs who killed Max Coleman last night.
6: Does he convince you, mister? Not entirely. Well, at 38
2: will. The Oakland police have two slugs that fit that gun. You need more?
6: No. I'm afraid you've got all the trumps, Novak.
2: All right, let's go, you.
6: Let's see you earn it, copper. Stop him, Novak!
2: He ain't going far. Well, Hellman, now you can arrest him for jaywalking. Yeah. Too bad. He could have told you a lot about that stiff in my closet. Well, go pick him up, Hellman, and don't forget that jacket club's in his pocket. Well, it worked out all right. I left Hellman, dropped by headquarters to leave a note, and then I went home to my apartment. Donnie was there. The whiskey was out again. She looked real good sitting there in a white crepe dress. It was one of those tight-fitting babies that make a bathing suit look like a toga. I told her all about Chris and Max Coleman. And we forgot about everything but the Olympics. When she put her arms around you, it was a real squeeze. It felt like an old tube of shaving cream. I was pouring a drink when the doorbell rang. Hellman. You ready, Novak? Sure. Well, don't stand there gaping. Arrest her for murder.
3: Wait a minute. Slow down, Patsy.
2: Sorry, chum. It's you or me.
3: Now, be a nice boy. I
2: am. That's why you go to Hellman. Come on, lady. Did you think up an answer for that guy that you left in my closet?
3: I didn't leave any guy in your closet. You'll
2: have to say it louder, baby. They found the story about the cord.
3: That cord came out of your kitchen.
2: You're a big mouth, Connelly.
3: Yeah. You can put that in boldface. How did you know
2: you're the only one that could have taken that jacket clubs here in the apartment that and one other thing yeah that knot in the cord was a funny knot you got an elastic garter there it's too big so you tied a knot in it the same funny knot that choked kirk to me.
3: you're a funny guy novak yeah you're nice. But you're hard to handle. I should have killed you or married you. Ready, Hellman?
2: Jack of Clubs was a phony right from the start. Somebody told Kirk Toomey to deal with me. When he came to my apartment, Connie was waiting. She got jumpy and killed him. I got there too soon, so she had to stall me off. When she got home, she found out that the Jack of Clubs was a phony. She left it in plain sight, and Chris gobbled up the bait. When he discovered there was no microfilm, he went gunning for Max Coleman. Max was an innocent thief lying low, waiting to buy it from me so all three of them were after a phony card. I began to suspect it was phony because everybody hung around. If it was the McCoy, Connie would have cleared out. Same for Chris. The microfilm? Well, it was in Hellman's desk, but he didn't know it. Jocko finally tumbled. The report said that Kirk Toomey had false teeth, and when Hellman picked up his stuff on the ship... Was a tube of toothpaste. You don't clean false teeth with toothpaste. Word must have gotten around that the microfilm was inside that jack of clubs, so Kirk crossed them up and put it in the tube of toothpaste. Well, that's all well except they canceled my thousand dollar deposit. Hellman said it was lucky I noticed her garter. Lucky? Well, She had to straighten her seams, didn't she?
1: The American Broadcasting Company has just brought you the second of a new series, Pat Novak for Hire, starring Jack Webb. Jocko Madigan is played by Tudor Owen. Inspector Hellman is played by Raymond Burr. Music was composed and conducted by Radio and Television Life Award winner Basil Adlum. In our cast were Betty Lou Gerson, Victor Perrin, Ted DeCorsia, and Herb Butterfield. Today we're happy to welcome a new member of the ABC family, as station KARM in Fresno, California, joins our network. And now this is George Fenneman reminding you to be with us again next week, when over most of these same ABC stations, we'll bring you Pat Novak, or higher. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.
0: Welcome back. In this episode, we had our MacGuffin, the Jack of Gloves, kind of a low-budget Maltese Falconer. Um, you have to say uh, the villain uh, for the second straight episode we've heard the villain meets an untimely accidental death, um, which is rich. You know Richard Breen I think had this sense of irony um, and th- some definite irony here in how they uh, met their death. It'll be interesting to see how this develops into future episodes and how other villains meet their respective deaths. Uh, The other thing of note, uh, in the last episode, I went ahead and did uh, commercials, uh, just because I thought they were kind of interesting in that particular context, uh, as opposed to the Dragnet, which were kind of repetitive after a while. Um, uh, These did not have commercials, because the originals did not um, include any um, uh, commercials. This was sustained by ABC in the hopes of finding a sponsor. Um... Uh, NBC would do the same with right now. There were several, several, several shows that made it that began out uh, as sustaining efforts. Um, and it's not something obviously you see anymore because even the uh, lowest rated TV show is going to have some sponsors uh, coming right in. Uh, but I like how uh, they gave shows a chance to make it, a chance to approve themselves. And so that's the sustaining effort here. So All right, well, that's it for uh, this week's episode. Join us tomorrow for Let George Do It, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Pat Novak from Hire. Check out the show notes site, greatdetectives.net. Got any comments, feel free to email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. Special thanks go out to Johnny Tusa for providing the opening theme music for this week's episode of The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. If you'd like to hear more of Johnny's music, uh, please visit music.greatdetectives.net. That's music.greatdetectives.net.